Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, Managing Director of MCG Quantity Surveyors. And today I've got a very special two-part series actually for you with Henny Steer. Now, Henny is someone that doesn't do a tremendous amount of media. She's one of those people that's a silent assassin, so good at her job that she spends no money on advertising or marketing. And it's often those people that are the absolute experts at their trade craft that I think we need to hear more from. And I'm delighted delighted to be able to chat to Henny about her experience in the world of flipping. We talk about what flipping is, how you can make money doing it, what are the risks involved, the types of properties that are best suited to flipping and everything from A to Z that you need to know if you're considering flipping a property as part of your property investing journey. It's an awesome interview with Henny, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. Here's Henny. Henny Steer, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Thank you, Mike. I've been waiting a long time to be invited on the show, so I'm thrilled. That's my fault. And it's only through sheer intimidation, if it's anything at all. And anyone that has a look at your website will understand what I mean when we look at your credentials and that of your husband. I mean, you yourself with a Bachelor of Business Administration a master of international relations you speak five languages you've got top gpa averages i honestly like your parents must be in hog heaven with what you've you've achieved <laughs> well that's very kind of you but uh they're typical asian parents they don't say too many good things about their children <laughs> well yes I, there is something to say about that uh, asian work ethic um, that's right now henny we're, we're going to talk about flipping today now as distinct from say renovation strategies to increase the rent or or change the quality of tenant or, or you know, redraw and, and pull equity. We're talking specifically about doing up a place and flogging it off straight away for want of a better term. But how would you define flipping? So flipping is when someone buys a property with the deliberate and strategic intention of adding value as quickly as possible and then reselling it for a profit. So the key there is the intent and the time frame to do it as quickly as possible. Yeah. Why would there be a benefit in turning it around quickly apart from the obvious, right? Because if you've got a loan on the property, it's costing you, you know, mm. every day you're owning it or you're not able to rent it out while you're renovating it. But is there a value in perhaps it sort of being there for a little while or because the market will see that that's obviously a flipped property and someone's just trying to, to make a lot of money at it? Do you think that's a negative to the sales campaign if it's a real quick turnaround? You know, for a buyer's agent, like me, that certainly is because as soon as I know it's a flip, I really just look at every corner, you know, it with so much detail because I'm wondering if they've cut corners here or there, right? So for a buyer's agent, yes, but this flipping very fast is a model that sort of came about from the US, I think. Yeah. And it started maybe already even 20 years ago when they have shows like, you know, flip this house, flip or flop, yep. there's fixer upper. And these shows, they're professional flippers. So they try and flip within a couple of weeks. Yeah, right. Which is possible in the US when there's no stamp duty. You can't do that as easily here. And also the cost of renovation seems to be a lot lower. When you watch those shows, you know, they fix a roof for $2,000. You, know, <laughs> you can't do that here. No, right. so, so, certainly so, not the yeah, moment. So, yeah, so that time frame to make it profitable as a business, you have to have a certain volume. So sitting on a 
property for too long, you have a lot of holding costs, particularly if interest rate is up. So you can't flip as quickly unless you have a lot of capital and then you're doing, you know, five or six at a time and you're running them all concurrently on different sites. Yeah. And you struck on an important point and we talked about it off air and that's the, the proposed stamp duty changes in New South Wales. And I think that it's likely that if that's a success, that'll sort of trickle its way around the states. And that could actually change flipping. It could change sort of the prospects on it because it can be difficult to make money with flipping with the stamp duty having to be factored in. But if we're on a, an annual sort of model, a subscription model where maybe you're only paying a couple of thousand dollars a year instead of a huge upfront, do you think that there will be a big increase in flipping? Yes and no, because I think you almost need the trifecta. So you don't just need the stamp duty to be lowered to make it more attractive to flip, but you also need construction costs to go down and building costs to go down. And I also think you need to have a you know a interest rate at a certain level to make the holding costs you know lower. But also, lastly, you just need that market momentum. So if you're in a down market, even though the stamp duty you know might be reduced but you're in a down market, construction costs is up, holding costs is up, it's still not that attractive. Mm. So you, you do need sort of all the stars to be aligned for you to really make very good money, I think, out of flipping. And who typically do you see as the, is there a stereotypical flipper? Is it people that are handy on the tools? You know, tradies obviously can put in new kitchens and bathrooms or is it just attractive to a certain type of individual or a certain type of investor? I would think it's probably a more sophisticated investor who, is tolerant of risk because there is risk involved in this. And, you know, in terms of whether or not there's a particular group of people who flip, I would say they're serial flippers. These are people who flip all the time, you know, maybe multiple a year. They're also mum and dad flippers, perhaps a stay-at-home mum looking for something to do, don't want a passive investment approach, want something a little bit more proactive, maybe somebody who has good interior design skills and can utilize those skills. Certainly tradies, you know, plumbers, electrician, builders, architects. There also are investment syndicates where you have group of silent investors and then one person who kind of runs the show and makes the calls but is being bankrolled by a series of other silent investors. Experienced property investors, you know, people who understand the property game and willing to step out of the comfort zone beyond just adding to the portfolio, but also famous people with lots of money, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, Jennifer Aniston, they sort of do it as a side hobby because clearly they don't need the money. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, it's just a bit of fun for them. Something to do. You got to pass the time. So have you seen many people be hyper successful in flipping in your real estate career? No. And that's in that's in Sydney, New South Wales and, you know, in Australia where the cost of transaction is so high yeah. that you have to be quite lucky to be very profitable. And there are some flips that are more profitable than others as well. So you kind of have to pick the right type of flip. Yeah. And so typically, what would the stamp duty be on the typical properties that you're buying for your clients? Oh, gosh. You know, in Sydney, you would be hard pressed, certainly on the North Shore, to buy anything less than two and a half, three million dollars. Right. So that alone, just on the purchase, um, and then you have selling costs on top of that when you actually need to sell as well. So you could be out of pocket, in some cases, 150,000 before you even start, right? Yeah. yeah. That's detracting from your, your Excel spreadsheet straight away. You've got to blow past that for it to be worthwhile. Correct. Because don't forget, there's also um, legal costs, marketing costs, you know, advertising costs, you know, all of those costs. That's not even including the holding costs. Mm. So Sydney's perhaps not the right 
market for that to be the case. And unless, you know, as you say, construction costs go down, the cost of labor goes down, and we can get on a subscription model for stamp duty. But I'm assuming, is it sort of regional areas where the numbers are going to make a little bit more sense? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. Disagree that it's harder in Sydney or in capital cities, but at the same time, the capital cities are where the people with the really high income, and they're generally high income people, have very you know poor time availability yeah. to renovate. So they're actually the ones who are prepared to pay a premium. So in terms of, for example, what I consider to be really successful flips, the ones that I have seen be incredibly successful actually target the very high end. Right. Okay. So not not apartments, not two-bedroom apartments, you know, not those because those ones have a price ceiling on it. A two-bedroom apartment, no matter how you dress it up, is going to be a two-bedroom apartment and the price ceiling will be a three-bedroom apartment because generally people won't pay more for a two-bedroom than a three-bedroom. Yeah, makes sense. So you have a price ceiling there. But if you're renovating a house that's two, three hundred meters from the station, huge block, north to rear, it's got a tennis court, you know, the things that you can't, you know, find easily, they're the type of houses where you can actually make some serious money. On flipping. And when you talk about these time poor individuals, they're more than happy to pay a premium to not undertake the renovations or they're obviously they're not rolling up their sleeves, but even organizing for a renovation company to come out and, and dealing with the back and forth, presumably they would rather not do that and pay a premium for something that's ready to walk in and perfect for them. Correct. And they're time poor. So it's not it's not even about the skill because people who are at that level usually are very competent and if they put their you know minds to it, I'm sure they'll do a great job. It's just that they're time poor and they would rather just buy in something that they can unpack and move in. But but this is where people then could make a mistake because if they're trying to flip at that level, then the finishes, the quality has to be at the level that those people will pay a premium for. Mm. Because if you're trying to target the really high end and then you put cheap appliances or you know cheap fittings and fixtures and it's all a little bit tacky and kitsch, then those people are not going to want to buy it. Yeah. And that's something that you hear a lot of renovation style people talking about. You know, don't replace the kitchen, just spray paint the cupboards with the this special sort of thing. And there seems to be a, a, a huge kind of, I guess, idea that they're trying to hack growth into a property by doing things cheaply. And that's not going to work for that top end of town, right? And I guess that's what you were saying before when you know a property's been flipped, you're looking at it very forensically because you're looking, well, where have they saved money? Correct. So things like did they tile on top of the old tiles? Did they keep the old joinery and just put a brand new countertop? You know, those things that you know, aha, uh-huh, okay, they're trying to skimp on a couple of thousand here or there. Mm. Whereas if you're a genuine quality flipper, you do not skimp on those things. You put underfloor heating in every bathroom. You put 10 mil frameless glass shower screen instead of 5 mil semi-frameless shower screen. Little yeah. things like that 
the brand of the appliances you put in, the brand of the tap, the hardware that you put in. Is it a, you know, German hardware in, in the shower or is it a, you know, a cheaper hardware, right, from Bunnings? Yeah. So if you know what you're doing and you're catering for that market, you have to make sure that the level of the flip is consistent with the area that it's in, the property that it's in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if I can paint a picture about, let's say, a regional market where prices aren't two and a half or three million dollars, mm-hmm. we've got stable and and competitive construction costs. We've got you know low interest rates and an appreciating market. What types of properties are you looking for in that? situation where you kind of think this is an obvious one where I can add value and and flip it and make some money? The obvious one would be if you can add a bedroom or a living area. That's sort of a a pretty obvious one because straight away your rental goes up the, the more bedrooms you have because as you know, rental is to do with the size of the property, how many bedrooms, bathrooms, etc. I think if it's a property where you could potentially subdivide, build locks, maybe it's a property that you could change the floor plan slightly, uh, you know, and, and add a lot of value by doing that. Yep. Adding one bed, well, like one big open plan kitchen, dining, living at the back, just one, one single extension could make a huge difference, right? Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to flipping and we talked about the prevalence of some of these shows which are quite ridiculous really because you've often got contractual arrangements with suppliers so they're getting materials cheap and all of these reported figures about profits being made can you know we've got to take them with a bit of a grain of of salt what are some of the common mistakes that you see is it more around the the financial side of things and not understanding it or is it things you know like cutting corners it's a little bit of everything so definitely cutting corners or doing a sloppy job or focusing on the wrong things in the renovation process So some people focus on just buying the most expensive appliances. So they think, oh, well, we'll put a a melee in the kitchen and straight away that will make up for the fact that we're putting a laminate countertop, you know? So they're sort of focusing on the wrong thing, perhaps. Uh, Not being disciplined is one where once you renovate, as you know, it can be a can of worms and you need to know when to stop because if you try and fix every little thing and you're a bit OCD about, you know, perfection, that's when you can really undo the profit because you're just spending too much on the things that don't really add value. Yeah, exactly. So for me, a good rule of thumb is for every dollar I I put in, I want to try and make $2. If it's not going to make me $2, I'm not spending that $1 because it doesn't make sense to spend a dollar to get a dollar back. Yeah. You know, so you need to be really calculative about how you um, decide what to do. Bad timing you know, sometimes you're like buying at the peak and then you're trying to flip in six months and by then the markets turn. That's just bad luck. Mm. Not understanding how much the different components of a renovation cost and therefore underestimating the costs and not allowing for variation. So anything that involves digging, anything that involves disposal of asbestos, things that you perhaps didn't know is going to cost so much money, the house needs underpinning, all these things could really erode your profits pretty quickly. And I think not understanding the target market for the resale and what those buyers would pay a premium for, when you're flipping, you have to know who you're going to sell it to. Are you selling a mom and dad? Are you selling to an investor? Are you selling to a downsizer? Because they all value different things. And if you want to extract every last dollar out of that buyer pool, you need to deliver a product that actually meet the needs of those buyers. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and you talked about profitable flips are going to be, you know, perhaps on the premium end where people are moving in and they want everything kind of done. But if you're thinking about, say, meeting the property to the market, what does the sort of market demand look like? Who are these? Who are the people that are quite prepared to pay overs for a renovated property? What do they look like? There's time poor professionals. Yeah. Generally, they're um, executive levels. They might have young children and you know, they might not be in the stage of life where they're prepared to undertake a renovation. Yeah. You know, we, and we have many clients like that, highly educated, but they're like, you know, we don't even want to redo a bathroom. And, and a bathroom reno is about as easy as a renovation as you're going to get, right? Yeah. And they don't even want to do that because they're just time poor and they don't see um, having all the dust and the mess and potentially having to move out. You know, they don't want to do all of that. Mm. Why do you think it is that you can buy a property that's run down for quite a bit less than the cost to doing those works? Obviously, there are costs in holding the property, but it it sort of sometimes seems like people can't see the potential in a property. Do you think that's just kind of something that people are gifted at and others aren't? You know, the properties that you can make good buying on are the ones that are sort of an in-between properties. The ones that are obviously derelict, it might be a, a fibro house that's it's on a very good block of land. They actually sell very high because mm. it was so obvious to everybody that it's land value. And then you're not buying the house, the house is for free, you're just buying the land uh, and there happens to be a house on it. The ones that are sort of good buying, for me, from my experience, what I find are the ones that are sort of, meh, it's too nice to knock down, mm-hmm. but it needs too much work because the floor plan's all wrong. So yeah. people kind of don't know what to do with it. They're the ones that you can get really good buying on because it's not as immediately obvious yeah. to the buyers on what they're going to do with it. Yeah, that's So you might have a house, yeah, you might have a house on a good block of land, but the floor plan is flipped. So you have kitchen, living, dining, all facing the front and all the bedrooms at the back. People always are very confused when they see houses like that because yeah. they're like, well, what do I do? Do I just knock down the house? But at the same time, it's still in really good condition. It's double brick. Kitchen and bathrooms are all fairly okay. It seems such a waste to knock it down. But if you don't knock it down, you're going to have to spend a lot of money trying to flip this house because that's one of the hardest fixes you can do is a flip floor plan. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and, and often I see properties like that where it's kind of like, gosh, it's so close to kind of knock down, but it has a utility value. Like you could rent it out until you were ready to develop, but then you have to do Correct. something because it's a little bit of a mess. Correct. So, so yeah, it's hard to get your head around that. Henny, if it's all right with you, I'm enjoying the conversation. I think there's a lot more to this flipping story than meets the eye. Do you mind if we can get you back for a second episode? Would love to. Let's do it. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. Cheers.